podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted to be joined by Alan Morrison. Welcome to the show, Alan. How are you doing? Yeah, hi, Paul. Great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. The reason we're a couple of minutes late today is we were trying to set it up, obviously, remotely, Alan, because you're elsewhere. Um, if everybody could let us know that both voices are coming across loud and clear... Uh, that would be great. Now, Alan Morrison may be uh, known to many who tune in uh, as Celtic by numbers. Alan, you're one of these guys that there's certain people in the game loathe. You're the guy that looks at the stats. Yeah, you look at the stats, you look at the performance data. Uh, data is a massive part, obviously, Alan, of modern football. Before we get into this, because there's a, a really good reason to, to have a look at this season so far. So, Alan... When we're looking at these stats, talk us through the report you've done. It's on your Celtic by News uh, blog. Uh, talk us about each of your um, criteria and what your findings have been. Sure. So um, I started off by really expecting to write an article that showed that over the piece of Neil Lennon's tenure, that perhaps performances you know, were, were, were if, if, perhaps even stagnant, if not regressing and and the way I wanted to approach that problem as I say I'm, I'm being very honest about what my perception bias was in, in starting this piece of work was I was expecting to be it to be quite a negative outcome from Neil Lennon's perspective um, and the way that I would do this think of it as like you know when you go to the doctors and you get you know you get your heart rate and your blood pressure and there's all these various factors that give you an overall view on your on your health uh, it doesn't tell you how fast you can run a 5K, but it gives you an indicator as to, you know, how, how well you would likely, you know, likely run one uh, when you did. And it's really, really think of it, think of, think of this data in that sense. They're, they're all kind of health health indicators of the team. And I really broke them down into three broad categories. So attacking, 
data, which is looking at things like expected goals, because expected goals is uh, is more predictive than actual goals uh, in, in a low-scoring game, because it really is looking at the, the quality of the chances being created. And if you're creating good quality chances, some of them, might, a lot of them, might not be going in. That that may be a reversible trend. If you're not creating the chances, then you're not going to score the goals. So it's a it's a good indicator of of, of uh, of your sort of chance creation health and therefore what you're likely to do. Uh, also things like, you know, are you getting into the box? Are you getting possession in the box? How many shots uh, are you getting on target? So from, a, from an attacking perspective, these are all good overall health checks, like bit like your blood pressure and your heart rate and so forth. Similarly for creativity, are looking at things like, um, are we breaking through opposition lines? How many players are we taking out with passes forward? Are, are we actually breaking... Uh, the defence, the midfield lines, and actually getting beyond those players, because obviously, if you if you can get the ball forward and take players out of the game, there's less defenders between you and the ball. It's just kind of common sense. And then, how many actual chances are we creating? How many passes are leading to shots? That's clearly another important one. And then, finally, defensive metrics: how effectively are we pressing? In terms of um, there's a r- rather mouthful, but you know, passes per defensive action is a horrible name, but essentially it's saying, you know, how many passes are we c- creating before the opposition get a challenge in, and vice versa, how many passes are the opposition uh, getting before Celtic can get a, a defensive action in? And obviously, we looked, at, I looked at um, the opposition uh, expected goals as well and their shots on target and so forth and touches in the box. So, a, a whole range of measures, uh, fairly you know, high level but really indicative of the health of the team. Uh, and I looked at this really from the sort of the last full season of Rodgers to try and give a, a trend all the way through to the, the current uh, the current games. Well, the, the stats that you provide, Alan, we have spoken about them regularly uh, on a Celtic state of mind. And in actual fact, it would be great to eventually get to a stage where you're coming on on a weekly basis uh, to give us that. Because what I'm hoping to do is to uh, embrace them, embrace the you know the, the numbers as it were, Alan. Because a lot of the time we come to our own kind of conclusions as football fans, and I'm as guilty as the next. Um, and it's basically observational, isn't it? I mean, there's some basic stats that everybody is aware of, uh, but the observations that you see, uh, and I use the word dysfunctional because I feel that the Celtic team has been playing in that kind of manner this season. Um, we can often give a view, uh, and often, you know, the example used yesterday, Colin Watt was talking last season about how you gave the stats on Moritz Boyer's defensive qualities, and it actually showed that he was performing pretty well as a defender, and a lot of Celtic fans, you know, at the game, and Colin himself didn't rate him uh, as, as a fullback, so that I found very interesting. Now, when we came on today, as I say, there was some echo and uh, the people listening gave us that information pretty quickly, as you always do, ladies and gents, and that's really, um, really much appreciated. What's now happening is there's a slight delay in me hearing Alan, so there might be a wee delay in between questions, so apologies for that. Um, But I think it is important because the criticism uh, of Neil Lennon's team this season, Alan, uh, obviously we talk about it in our WhatsApp group for Axom, and I think you and I were on, on the same uh, view in terms of uh, the performance getting worse. Obviously, I made my feelings known on Sunday and uh, the criticism and support has come in since then. Let's have a look at your report. Take it, take us through it, break it down and explain what your findings are now. The next part of this podcast will be very much over to you, Alan. Tell us what your findings are throughout that report. Yeah, of course. So it, 
what I tried to do, as I say, is look at a, lo- a long period of time. So it's about 190 matches going back to the beginning of the 17-18 season. And the reason that I was doing that is I wanted to see the trends these 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 health measures that I mentioned, what are the trends of them across the latter part of um, uh, you know Rogers' reign and then Lennon's reign, and then I, and then I, and then the the other part of it was I looked at specifically this season. So let's just isolate this season and see what's happening uh, to the same metrics uh, for the games that we've seen uh, this year, and. In general, there was a very consistent pattern, actually, and I can, you know, I can simplify it quite, quite, quite succinctly, without uh, you know boring people with the individual metrics and, and what they mean. Essentially, what we've seen over Lennon's tenure is a gradual improvement in a lot of these health indicators. A gradual improvement, I would say, in underlying team performance. Now, there are quite distinct peaks and troughs. What I did was I took a six-match average of each of each of the stats. It wasn't a stat for an individual game because things like unexpected goals for an individual game can go up and down and doesn't tell you all. You need to look at it over a period to really get any trends. So the, the trends were over 190 games. There was a six-match average uh, across that period. Uh, even then, there's peaks and troughs, and that's because a lot of these stats actually... Uh, the biggest factor is the quality of the opposition. And as we know, Celtic play uh, teams like AC Milan one week and then, you know, with respect, Hamilton or a a lower league team in the cup uh, the next and so forth. There's a massive disparity clearly in performance from those opposition teams and therefore that obviously impacts on Celtic's performance. So all that that is, is, to be fair, factored in for both managers. Um, uh, Rodgers had a, a European Champions League group Celtic have had some very tough uh, Europa League uh, groups. So, you know, yes, there's going to be a little bit of variance to play with. As I say, the very simplistic conclusion is that across Lenin's tenure, um, performance levels in terms of the underlying performance data has been gradually trending upwards in uh, in broadly uh, the right direction. What that says to me is this is somebody who, you know, uh, who in this first half season or or third of a season when he he took the team over the line with Rogers' team playing much in the same way as Rogers' team did, um, and we have to give him credit for that because that can't have been easy um, in some respects. Through to last season, which is by any reckoning was an incredibly successful season for Celtic with with some great performances, and the data reflects that. And now we've hit undoubtedly you cannot deny it uh, some quite severe uh, uh, bumps in the road. But I suppose if I was looking, if I was uh, putting myself in, in in the in the position of uh, of, of Neil's manager, uh, and he's in a strategic role, so I'm expecting him to be looking, you know, as well as the tactical win games on every week, but also what are the overall trends? Um, I'm thinking this guy at the end of last year, he's doing more than a good job. In fact, he's doing a great job. And therefore, there's some for me, there's some credit in the bank there in terms of the underlying performances he's getting out of this team. If we go to this season, there's no, you know, escaping the fact that some of these key health health indicators are are going in the wrong direction. You know, um, expected uh, goals in terms of the goals we can expect to score is going down. Um, you know, the number of shots on target uh, is going down. The touches in the opposition box is going down. Um, you know, these are not good. These are not good trends. It's not the case across the board. So we're still breaking through teams reasonably well. Believe it or not, and this surprised me in all honesty, we're still creating uh, increasing numbers of chances. It's a small increase, but we are actually creating chances. 
And we are actually, and this astonished me, we are actually this season, uh, our pressing effectiveness is, is actually improved a bit, which I was surprised about because that's the one metric over Neil's uh, tenure, I would say, that has decreased is our pressing effectiveness has actually gone down. And that might be, a, I'm not saying actually that that is good or bad. It's a stylistic choice, right? It's a, it's a style of play. It doesn't have to be that way. High doesn't necessarily mean good and low doesn't necessarily mean bad. It's all within the context of if you're not pressing as effectively, but you're actually conceding less chances, then to me, I'm happy with that, right? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you, don't, you want to stop the opposition from scoring. So again, surprisingly, uh, the opposition uh, are uh, not actually... A, expecting to score that many goals and even if we think back to uh, the Milan and uh, defeat in the derby actually uh, both those teams pretty much scored from every shot they had on target so what what I'm taking from that is although there's an absolutely you know absolute regression and absolutely performance is uh, is going south in many key aspects there's enough areas there that I'm thinking you could make a case for saying you know, if some of those chances go in, the opposition aren't don't seem to be getting more chances. Are we having one of these runs where literally everything's going in against us, and that does happen over over a short period, and actually can happen over over quite a long period uh, as relegated teams find out. Um, but most importantly, has has is, is Neil Lennon got enough credit in the bank, uh, and enough are there enough mitigating factors around Celtic's performance to say, you know, actually. You know, this is a warning because, frankly, things have to improve and they do. Uh, but you know, carry on because ultimately, if I'm if I'm sitting there as again as, as Neil's manager, I'm thinking and to, to coin Charlie Nicholas, um, I've, I've backed you 100, percent right? And, and I, I, I was astonished. I was astonished we didn't sell anybody uh, in the in the past window, given the the COVID headwinds that we know about and the. The performance on the balance sheet is, is going to—we know—is going to be severe. I was astonished we didn't, and, and, and the and the failure to qualify for the Champions League. Absolutely astonished we didn't sell somebody. And so, and, and we've got in. I think everybody was uniformly happy with the business done in the window. Lennon seemed to be happy as well. So he's been supported. He's deserved that support because he's he's done it on the back of improving performance for the team. And now we can see that things aren't going well. But what are the mitigating factors that you can point to? I mean, we, you know, Celtic have been COVID impacted more than most teams, I would suggest. Um, you know, the the, 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 the continual injuries in the centre-half and centre-forward department that, that, that blight us every year around Champions League qualification have once again hit us. Um, so I just feel that he deserves the chance to put this right. He's earned the the right to do that it, and also I suspect the board would feel a bit stupid having backed him so 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 uh, adequately to then sort of almost weeks later turn around and say oh actually that wasn't the right decision we're going to sack you that that probably isn't a, a strategic long-term uh, view that one might take. So Alan Morrison has had a look at the numbers this is on the back of as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you Access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. 
with MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland, Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Of a Celtic state of mind offering as balanced a view as possible. These are not just my views on the, the podcast. We have a different um, guest every single day of the week during the week and then we mix it up again when we are doing the match day. So today we'll be looking at the game half an hour before kick-off tonight, half-time and at full-time as well, Alan. And uh, what I want, just before you go, Alan, and what I'm going to do after you leave us so that uh, obviously I don't have the situation where I'm listening to you or via YouTube and there's a slight delay, um, give us a prediction for tonight. I don't know how positive you're going to be. It's a strong, strong challenge this evening. Before you go, give us a wee prediction for tonight. I don't normally do this, to be fair, but hey, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? In all honesty, I, I, I would be astonished if we get a result tonight. This is a very strong team that we're playing. I, I expect a defeat. I, and I know this may sound trite, but it's honestly how I feel. I just want to see performances improve because if Celtic can put up a, a good performance, a strong defensive shape, have a, have a plan to threaten Lille on the break, uh, we may not win the game, we may lose the game, but if I can see that that progression and, and going back to the strong performances that we had last season, I, I would take that for now because I think that would then you know, perhaps set us up for uh, the domestic challenges to come, um, which I think are probably what as most supporters feel and I probably feel is the most important thing this season. Uh, on that on that domestic front, especially with the uh, two Europe, two Champions League places opening up next season, it's imperative that Celtic get themselves in that pole position. Uh, they only have two qualifiers uh, to get through. So for me, it's all about performance, uh, and I want to see the performance improving. If that improves, even if we lose, I'll be I'll be kind of okay about that. Well, Alan Morrison, thank you so much for your time today. Um, and once you've left the studio, what I'll do is I'll start having a look through some of the, the comments that are coming through on Twitter, Facebook, and also on YouTube. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure to get your perspective on it, to, to crunch those numbers. And for anybody who's enjoyed that, please visit Alan's uh, blog, Celtic by Numbers. He also posts frequently on Twitter, so start following him on Twitter for the, the numbers behind the performances. Alan Morrison, thank you again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, sir. Thanks for having me, Paul. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Now, hopefully that uh, the guests who are tuning in can still hear me as normal because everything should be uh, back to normal just now. And we've got, we do have... Um, loads of comments coming through so what I'll try and do for the second part of the show today is we will have a look at some of the comments that are being made uh, from you ladies and gentlemen so um, thankfully we managed to hear everything loud and clear um, and that was great because obviously we started off with a wee bit of echo so thanks for telling us now Owen McGrandles, you're making a, a point there in relation to blocking people and we are doing that on a live basis and we're hopefully, uh, you know, getting rid of any uh, offensive uh, comments on a day-by-day basis. Uh, they are coming in, uh, you know, gradually to, to try and get involved. But, uh, you know, any kind of offensive comments or language uh, will be blocked. And there goes another one. There, 
goes another one. So there we go. We'll run through some of your comments. Um, Alan is a very interesting chap. He gives you the, the facts and the stats behind the performances. Um, but he does it with a very balanced kind of view as well. Um, so what we'll need to do, there's a good question straight off the bat. Where is Frimpong's best position? Alan Robertson. Thank you for joining us on YouTube. For anyone who is watching on YouTube, if you haven't done so already, uh, make sure that you do subscribe to us on YouTube. We're building our platform on a daily basis. Um, I certainly don't think, Alan, that Frimpong is a right back. I think from all the uh, games that I've seen, um, there is no way that he's a right back for me. I think he's a, an offensive player. I think he's a player who, you know, on his day, it can be one of the most exciting forward players that we've got. Um, what I've seen against Aberdeen on Sunday uh, many times was that he was struggling to get back to position. So Aberdeen would maybe break up the pitch and it was left to Duffy, Ayer and Luxalt due to the fact that Frimpong was unable to get back um, to his normal position at uh, right back. So I don't think he's a right back for any number of reasons, that being one of them. And, you know, I, th I do think that there needs to uh, be a way that we are able to, to try and accommodate him simply due to his ability um, as a forward player. So Frimpong's best position for me is definitely um, as an offensive player on the right-hand side with Laxalt on the left-hand side and probably Ryan Christie in the middle at this moment in time. But I am going to ask you about tonight's team. I gave a team yesterday, uh, which has already changed because I understand Elhamed um, is still out this evening, so he won't be playing. I had him playing at right back as part of a back four with uh, Greg Taylor playing left back, Ayer and Duffy in the middle and with Bain in goals. I think Barkas is travelling but there's not been any confirmation as to whether or not he's fit to play uh, so I reckon that Barkas would be on the bench. So that back four would have been completed with El Hamid at right back and that gives us a bit of an issue um, because obviously what we do have then is a lack of right backs. Frimpong I don't think is effective in that position so it would be a, 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 you know, a situation where you're going to have to reshuffle the back four if you're going to be playing that. A lot of people have suggested that um, Chris Ayer can play it right back and um, Eugene Ritchie's actually just making that suggestion. So that shows you how difficult it's going to be tonight. And we're talking about uh, mitigating circumstances. The loss of players through injury and uh, illness obviously is uh, a massive mitigating circumstances uh, circumstance. Rather, I don't think it's the, the only reason uh, that the performances have been so bad. Now, near Beaton may well... Uh, be able to play this evening. He's certainly travelling with the Celtic squad, and if that is the case, I would be bringing Near Beaton in at centre half, and and you know actually doing as Eugene suggests and playing Ayer at right back. Again, is that unfair on some of the natural right backs that we have at the club? And one of uh, the the players who has been mentioned uh, over the last couple of weeks is Anthony Ralston. The the boys not played for so long that I don't think it's a good idea to put him in tonight in a European 
game. So for me, it would be uh, Beto on at centre half and pushing out Ayer to the right. Can Nir Beto play right back? Is that a position that he has played for Israel? There, there's a question. So follower Celtic gives me his 11 as Bain, Beaton, Ayer, Duffy and Taylor. Like Salt, McGregor, Brown, Christie, Turnbull and Griff. And my team's exactly the same as that. But Turnbull is uh, on the bench and Frimpong is playing on the right-hand side. So Beaton, Ayer, Duffy, Taylor's your back four. Like Salt, Christie and Frimpong are your um, offensive midfield players with McGregor and Brown behind them and Griffiths in front. Let me know what you think uh, for, for the lineup tonight. Um, because Joe Porter reckons that uh, Beaton has to be centre-back. Uh, possibly if you're playing three at the back, Joe, I think there's going to be a change tonight. I mean, we're up against a side who, you know, they're a strong, strong team. Many believe that they're actually stronger than AC Milan. If that's the case, I think we really need to approach the game with that in mind. At this moment in time, the last thing we want um, is any kind of defeat, uh, but certainly a, a heavy defeat would be would be difficult to take tonight. Uh, now, as I say, here's another wee point. Interestingly enough, I was thinking about this on the way through. Mattis Faction, um, who is uh, commenting on YouTube, and for, again, anyone viewing on YouTube, please subscribe. We are creeping up to the 4,000 subscribers, Mark. We are growing the channel every single day. And you reckon we should have kept Craig Gordon? Now, what I would certainly say is it's always the best-case scenario to have three you know, first-teamers, um, first-team goalkeeper. So Scott Baines stood in for Barkas last week uh, on Sunday. Probably will do the same tonight. Would it have been worthwhile keeping Gordon? Would Gordon have wanted to be potentially third choice for periods this season? Uh, he obviously went back to Hearts. I think part of that is a coaching role that he's got there at Tynecastle. So, interesting point. And again, you know, at that point, I think we still had one eye on Foster when we let Gordon go. And then obviously we've, we've gone out and we've, we've brought Barkas in. Um, so we, we do have, for me, we still do have two first-team goalkeepers uh, with a backup as well. Now, uh, Jaffa Cakes 2019 Forest is a finisher unlike Frimpong. Final ball is a shocker as bad as Christie now. The thing with, with Forrest is, you know, James A. Forrest was getting a fair bit of stick, wasn't he, before um, his injury? But we do look at some of the games over the last few weeks and we think to ourselves, you know, James A. Forrest would have made a difference there. Uh, absolutely. Um, he's an important part of the team and has been for, for many, many years now. Uh, we do miss him when he's not in the team. But uh, with him being injured, it gives us a bit of a headache as to who to play out uh, wide right now yesterday Colin Watts suggested that Ryan Christie should play there and I know that he's a, an adaptable type um, but I don't think that's his most effective position I take on board what you're saying in relation to the final ball uh, of Christie what I would certainly do is, and particularly now that Griffiths is back I would take Christie off the, the set pieces off the corners off the free kicks and let Griffiths take them I don't think his final ball is always as bad as that I think a lot of the time we remember the bad ones going astray and going out the park. But um, he is at the heart, I feel, of uh, many of our uh, creative uh, interludes and games uh, over the over the piece this season. So uh, he's a definite starter for me, but I would I would take him off the corners and I would take him off the, um, the free kicks as well. Now, Mark Dyer uh, via YouTube reckons that Frimpong's best position is wide right attacking. I agree with you, Mark. 
his final ball decision making needs to improve and I think it can uh, he, he does have time on his side in that respect he does have a good recovery pace um, if used at full back that's the one point I actually picked up on on Sunday that I felt that you know he was slow to get back and um, we're talking about playing four at the back uh, on Sunday, I think uh, Duffy and I were exposed at times due to the nature of Luxalt and Frimpong uh, up and down the left and right-hand side. Um, so, you know, there's loads of great points coming through. Um, we try and work through as many as we can. The first half hour of this show was dedicated to Alan Morrison of Celtic by Numbers. And uh, the reason for that was it's all about balance, isn't it? Uh, I made a comment in relation to the future of Neil Lennon at Celtic. The comment went down in some areas of the Celtic support um, pretty badly, saying, you know, back the manager. Well, I've backed him since the day he was appointed. I think it's healthy to have uh, differing views. Um, I don't think that it's hysterical to have a view that's been built up over uh, the piece this season. I don't think that's a view to look forward to say, well, when is it going to improve? Because I think we all agree that it should improve. Is it going to improve tonight? Do you think we can get a result this evening uh, against Lille? Do you think we're going to progress into a Scottish Cup final um, this Sunday as well? We'll be here every step of the way following that. Um, but obviously, I, I don't mind criticism. I don't mind people disagreeing with us. Uh, but as soon as people become abusive or uh, start making up un un unsubstantiated rumours, and lies online etc then unfortunately for them they're going to be blocked because we can't allow that to happen um, now Facebook unfortunately the person making this comment I can't see who it is because there's a short registration process with StreamYard uh, but you are saying that the stats say that Christie is one of our most effective players um, yeah absolutely and I think what I tend to do when I'm watching the game because we'll be talking about the game as soon as it's finished and at half time uh, as well as before the game tonight, as I do take notes of passages of play where someone has created a chance, taken a shot, created a goal. And, you know, Christie's name pops up seven, eight times and a half. And that's uh, positive uh, creative play by Christie. So it's not statistics as such, but, I d you know, my observation is, yeah, Christie is one of our most effective players. Um, now, we're talking also about uh, creative players and uh, many of you were singing the praises of Tommy Rogic uh, at the weekend. You know, he was there for two assists and he is also one of our most creative players, Tommy Rogic. Uh, will he be playing tonight? That's an interesting question. I think he's certainly uh, going to travel. I don't know if he'll start. He wouldn't start in my predicted 11. Tell me what your predicted 11 is. It's all this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. All about opinions. Let's keep them nice and balanced. Um, and Tosh Beer. Girls Junior Malone, great name. You're viewing us on YouTube as well. Should we make a move for Foster in January? Listen, I've seen that a couple of times being suggested today. I think, um, who did Neil Lennon actually try and bring in and fail to bring in in the transfer window? Um, Fraser Foster. You know, that's the obvious one. I'm sure he was interested in many other players. You're looking at Ivan Tony and the impact he's had 
at Brentford. What is it, 11 goals or is it 9 goals in 11 games? He certainly started off very, very well this season. We went for a Yeti. Uh, if it wasn't for injuries, I think, you know, we were very, very happy with the signing of a Yeti. We have yet to see a partnership developing with uh, Eduard or Griffiths, and that's down to illness and injury. But should we go? Should we go for him in January? It's a good question. Uh, people might scoff at that because we've spent a lot of money uh, on Barkas. But is the goalkeeper uh, situation, that, you know, when you look at the impact that Foster had last last year, um, in particular in the League Cup final, you know, he, he makes such a difference to the defence. He makes such a difference to the Celtic side under Neil Lennon. Um, it's something that between now and then, let's just see how Barkas uh, performs, how he he can come back from the criticism that he's been facing over the last uh, couple of weeks and, or even months. Now, Terry Tibbs, Griffiths showed he is sharp at Aberdeen. His first touch took the defender completely out of the game. He is sharp, isn't he? I mean, we were all, I say we were all, on this podcast, we were calling for Griffiths to get back into the first-team squad uh, you know, weeks before it happened, but he, he obviously wasn't fit enough, and that's why he was out of the team. We were also calling for Tommy Rodgick to come back in, and the reason for that, you know, it's loss of form, it's injuries, it's uh, the illness as well that we've seen hampering our squad. We needed to get as many creative uh, and influential players back into the mix as possible. Rodgick and Griffiths have come in, and they really are contributing, and I think that. Uh, I think that that's so important that uh, Griffiths plays tonight as well because a Yeti isn't going to be 100% fit, I don't think. Um, and if you're playing with one striker away against a very strong side in Europe, I think that one striker is Griffiths. It would also be brilliant to see Eduard on the bench again. Tony Hutton, well, welcome back. Tony, great. Thanks for your support this week as well on Facebook. You're commenting uh, on Twitter, rather. Uh, Barkas, the jury is still out on him. I haven't been impressed so far. I think there's been aspects he's given. He's certainly a different goalie, isn't he, from Fraser Foster. Uh, big Fraser Foster was a short stopper, first and foremost, and uh, people were critical of his distribution. People were critical of him at crosses and corners. Uh, but when it came down to it, you look at his performances last season against Lazio, his performances against you know, Rangers in the League Cup final. I remember I'm getting a lot of flack when we got beat 2-0 at Livingston as well, Tony. Uh, nobody's perfect, that's what happens. But um, I think we'll be viewing Barkas' performances from now to the end of the year. And then we'll be looking in January as to where we can strengthen. Where else do we need to strengthen? We seem to be a bit light on the right-hand side, right down the pitch, actually. I mean, tonight um, you'd be struggling to pick a, a right-back without playing someone out of position. And, um, you know, will that force uh, Neil Lennon's hand in the formation and how we shape up? Will we go back? Will we revert back to the three at the back? Uh, bringing in Beaton, uh, Duffy and uh, Ayer. And rely on like Salt and Frimpong to be playing almost as overlapping uh, fullbacks. Uh, is it now a wingback it's called? Up and down, big shifts for those two. It's not beyond them. That really isn't beyond them, you know. And if that's the change that from my team that needs to be made and you play with three at the back, um, then obviously one of the, the more offensive players is going to have to um, be added as well because we're going to have an extra player with, with dropping one of the, the defenders. That player would, would need to be Taylor for me. And then you're maybe looking at a situation where you could bring in either in Cham or Turnbull, um, you know, to shore up. I certainly wouldn't play two up front. Maybe Christie would would play off a Griffith's shoulder and you'd, you'd bring in Cham or Turnbull. It would be good to see Turnbull getting some minutes as well. I think when we signed him, 
uh, he was one of the, the finest players in the Scottish game uh, looking at Lewis Ferguson at the weekend I still think he's somebody we should look at in January as well um, particularly if any of the midfield players move on and there may be moves in and out in January um, it may be forced on us you just don't know what the situation is going to be with injury and illness at that point as well um, for me Turnbull says follower Celtic via Twitter uh, Tumble will tighten up defensively but later Frimpong coming on with his pace because El Hamid's out and uh, we might not be able to play with a right back if we revert to a three at the back I reckon you know Turnbull might well come in and uh, you know if he was to play in a, a more defensive area and I know that he's very comfortable going forward it just means that McGregor is freed to push on as well um, Sean Kirkoran Turnbull looks hungry throw him in I think he does I really do um, and Aero 250 makes a point with your avatar being that of Jamesy Forrest now that Forrest isn't here people now see his value he's a terrific player brilliant point that's an excellent point what do you think of that you know Jamesy Forrest was coming in for a lot of stick a lot of flack uh, we see it on the podcast because we're going out live um, and we go out live directly after the games um, and we see people's sometimes emotional uh, responses uh, after games as well and you know, James Forrest was getting a lot of stick. So, you know, sometimes once he's out of the team, you might appreciate him a wee bit more. Uh, I think that uh, James Forrest is absolutely a terrific player. Um, we've also got a shout for someone else who plays outright. Uh, Deb Belly should play tonight. Vincent O'Brien, thanks for your input. He is one of the only um, players that can play out there. So, you know, he was part of the squad. He was on the bench. And um, he's kind of disappeared from view. And we've got also Karamoko might not have the right mentality, says Mattis Faction. I suspect he believes he is already a superstar and is above the club. Now, there is a situation there where the guy has been uh, the most lauded Celtic player um, since Islam Farouz. There's no doubt about that coming through. And it will be interesting to see how we're able to manage that. Um, how does Neil Lennon manage the, the youth coming through? James Forrest obviously was one of his introductions to the Celtic team and he's done well. Um, you know, Mikey, Mikey Johnston had come in uh, under Brennan Rogers, but he was utilised quite a bit by Neil Lennon until his unfortunate injury. And of course, Lenny also brought in players such as Liam Henderson and Daniel Fisher first time round, uh, who didn't stay at Celtic, unfortunately particularly in the case of Henderson, who was a player I rated really highly. But um, Welsh has come in this season, and uh, I think it's very unfortunate for young Welsh that he came in when he did, you know, in such big games that we didn't win, and hopefully he will get more games as the season progresses. But it is interesting to see how Karen Moko Dembele's Celtic career will progress, because, you know, it's got, um, you know, it does have... Um, you know, some signs that it isn't going as well as we thought it would, and it would be good to see him getting some game time. I don't know if tonight is the time for him because what we do have is obviously we've got a player there who's 17 years of age and who has already played in Europe. Um, and you know, Mattis Fashion goes on to say Welsh has performed well. I think if you look at his performances, you're probably right. Um, he has played well, and uh, you know, it's just so unfortunate that. You know, he's been involved in games where as a as a team we didn't play well. Um 
who is Lazol, Lazol, he's he is the man, Diego, Aero two fifty, uh, on the left hand side. Who who is he? Uh, it's maybe my pronunciation. Like Salt is uh for me been a, a very astute signing by Celtic. I think he's shown enough signs in the three games that he's played that he can be a big player for us. Um if and when, and hopefully it is when, um everything clicks for Celtic. Um so what we've got here as well is a, a point from Kenneth Elliott. Ferguson will not come you. Um, well, we'll see about that because, you know, I don't think it comes down to his uh, upbringing and the football team he supports. I think it goes beyond that. And when you're looking at uh, Ferguson, it's not a player at the moment that Celtic require in, in that position, certainly. But uh, moves out of Celtic Park may result in us looking at someone like that. Um, now, Gary Doon and Stephen Kennedy doing the same with midfielders and attackers. As well, you're you're looking at uh, points from Gary Doonan coming in on most of these broadcasts, and it's always great to see you, Gary. Um, and it's brilliant to see uh, you coming in on Facebook and giving us your your views on Celtic and the youth aspect of Celtic as well. Sean Kirkcorran, get Didier a gap back. He's only about fifty. Sean, I was absolutely privileged to play alongside Didier a gap um, last year, and unfortunately, he's lost his pace. So I don't think he's going to be able to to come in and give us anything that, you know, Frimpong can't give us. What's John Kennedy doing with the defenders at training? Asks a Facebook user. And it was due to that um, that Edgari says that Kennedy's doing the same with the midfielders and the attackers. Due to the fact that Kennedy is not specifically there uh, as the, you know, in the role of a defensive coach. He's there as the first team coach, one of uh, Lenny's coaches. And he is coaching all the players. That was a conversation brought up yesterday by Colin Watt, who was asking about specific coaches for specific areas. And we've obviously got a fantastic goalkeeper coach in Stevie Woods. Um, I mentioned, I think it was at the beginning of this season, about bringing in a striker coach. But that was more about the progression of strikers throughout the club as well. Um, it's something that uh, Kevin Graham pointed out. Liverpool have a throwing coach. Can you believe that? They've actually got a throwing coach. It doesn't do them any harm. Um, that's for sure. So, uh, Aero, you were correcting a viewer. Yeah, that's fine. You can correct me as well. Um, I'm not beyond correction, that's for sure. Gary Doonan, Patrick Hutchinson, his goal-scoring ratio and assist ratio is better under Lennon um, than it was under Rodgers. Um, so what we need to look at as well um, is we've got, we've got people coming in and they're making um, offensive... Uh, gestures and they're saying things that unfortunately we won't be listening to so there's another one that's very unfortunate that you can't enjoy the award winning a Celtic state of mind just to remind everybody it is an award winning podcast we were voted as the best podcast in the UK best football podcast in the UK in 2018 and in 2020 we are a finalist um, as the best international football podcast. How good is that? Um, so you have an opinion and people uh, disagree with you and all of a sudden you're the worst podcast on the planet. No, I'm afraid that doesn't change anything. So we're here, we're broadcasting on a daily basis at 12.30. Uh, you've already been listening to Alan Morrison um, giving us the stats behind Lennon's season. Um, is it as tumultuous as uh, some are suggesting? What did you make of Neil Lennon's press conference yesterday? Let me know. 
um, as well because you know he, he did come out and um, he was standing up for his players uh, as you would expect as well um, now Adam Harley makes the point that Frimpong is having a tough time at the moment because he's being told to defend and it's not his natural game Elhamid would be ahead of him just for now well I, I think as a defender I totally agree with that Adam I think Elhamid is your best option at right back um, at this moment in time, looking at the, the squad, who are your right backs? Elhamid. Anthony Ralston, who we saw on the bench at the weekend. Who else can play there? Maybe Ayer, um, out of position, which I, I try to avoid as much as possible. Um, and we've seen Beaton playing on the right hand side of a back three. You know, but right back is a specialist uh, position, and particularly when you look at the way Celtic play. I don't think Frimpong um, is a natural right back, I think he's a natural attacking player, um, so yeah it's not his natural his natural game but what I was hoping for was some balance um, you know, in the offensive areas of midfield where we had Frimpong on the right hand side, often uh, Christie in the middle, we started off with El Yanusi out left, he's kind of dropped out of the team uh, due to his form Laxalt's now that guy on the left and I think that gives you a good bank of offensive players in front of the midfield to support uh, Lee Griffiths. I'd love to see that happening this evening as well. Um, uh, you know, Robert Ingram. Celtic should have signed the four when he was available. Helps with bringing in uh, the young players. Well, I actually think that it's not a bad shout that Celtic should have someone working with the young players. Um, but we do have some world-class strikers who played with Celtic who probably still have a good relationship with the club and certainly have a relationship with Neil Lennon is the striking situation where we have any concerns at the moment it's a defensive situation isn't it uh, we've got a new goalkeeper in there we've got a new pivot in Shane Duffy Shane Duffy came in for a lot of stick he responded to some of it on his social media um, is he the type of player with his experience and with his undoubted ability uh, to overcome that once he gets a settled partnership at the back, something he's not had since he came to the club. Martin Murphy Kennedy is not a defensive coach and never has been. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been reminded of that a few times a few times. Um so you know there's Gary Dunning picking me up for name dropping again. It does happen from time to time, Gary. Sorry. Uh, but it does happen from time to time. Now Kyle Jolly uh would go for Baining goals, Laxalt, Ayer, Beaton, Frimpong. Brown, McGregor and Cham, Christie, Elianusi and Griffiths. And that's a 4-3-2-1. It's a type of formation, Kyle, isn't it, that I think Neil Lennon will go for. I don't think it's going to be a gung-ho approach um, for obvious reasons. We're away in Europe against a, a very, very strong Lille side. Um, I think the approach on Sunday when you look at the team line and the formation was a bit gung-ho. He played a lot of forward offensive players, creative players. Uh, ultimately, it didn't work. I think before the game, we... We all said uh, we're certainly going to be, um, we're certainly going to to see a lot of goals, and we did. We've seen six goals, so he's going to be approaching the game. I think Kyle, like you say, uh, far more defensively tonight, uh, and packing in the defence with some defensive midfielders as well. Uh, Gary Doonan, I was actually name dropping Didier Agat. Um, you know, you you look at sometimes you get these opportunities to play alongside people who have played for Celtic. It's uh, astonishing, but you know, Gary. Um, he was a great player in his time, uh, wasn't he? And I think he was hindered by a bad injury against Hearts. Um, when a player like that loses that wee bit of, that wee bit of pace, you see their whole game 
um, suffering, don't you? I think another player that that happened to was in a different position, of course, was Mark Burchill losing a wee bit of pace. And throughout his career, you know, he had a lot of clubs, played a lot of games, scored a lot of goals. But as a young player with that pace, it was just lightning. Very much like uh, Michael Owen down south. And he's spoken about that the minute he lost that yard of pace. He had to completely change his entire game. Now, um, Gary Doonan, let's keep developing Frimpong. You cannot beat that pace. Just remember, Christie didn't hit it off until he was 23 and three years at the club. I think sometimes we forget that, Gary. You know, um, players develop at different a different pace. I think the performances of Frimpong at this moment in time, when you look at the AGM, they've been, you know, tremendous really over the piece. And when he gets a bad game, um, we do have a lot of criticism coming his way. Um, it does see us uh, looking at people like, you know, Jamesy Forrest, who's out the side, Gary, with, a, with an added appreciation. And I know that a lot of Celtic fans appreciate him anyway for his performances and for everything that he's done uh, during the nine in a row. And let's not get get me wrong or get anyone wrong. If you've got an opinion about how things are going this season or uh, with Neil Lennon, it's because you want the best for the club. Um, you know, the, hist- the hysteria that I've seen has been on the back of a comment that's a, a viewpoint, a point of view about the manager and how um, his team is performing this season. Um, the fact that... Um, Every fan, every single supporter is entitled to these views, should be embraced. And that's why when we started the live broadcast, we're, uh, we're able to switch on the comment section and it allows people to come in. Now, we never have enough time to go through every single comment, but sometimes it's good. If we don't have a guest or if the guest uh, leaves early after um, enlightening, on, enlightening us with some brilliant stats, as Alan has today, then it gives me an opportunity to go through some more of your points. Um, now on Facebook again apologies I don't know who has made the comment but thank you for making it on Facebook uh, like Saul is going to finish in our top three performers at the end of the season hope he doesn't end with nothing to show for it you know what I don't think he will show uh, end up with nothing to show for it um, we have I, I still believe a very very strong squad I think we've got a stronger squad this season than we did last season I think the big gaping issue at the moment is the fact that we lost Foster. Um, some of the other players that we lost, we lost Gordon, you know, a wealth of experience, a backup goalie for Celtic in the end. Um, and I, I think we can we can take that loss. I also think we can take the loss of Johnny Hayes, um, a player who I thought was one of the go-tos for Neil Lennon, uh, very reliable, very adaptable. But I think we can take that loss because what's the alternative? Like Salt, who would you choose between Hayes and like Salt? I would definitely go for the the latter. Um, and we lost uh, Simunovic, and Simunovic has struggled to find a new club since he left Celtic Park. He's been linked to various clubs. I've uh, seen a report the other week there that he was linked to AC Milan. i even seen some Celtic fans suggesting that we should bring him in on a short-term deal. Um, it'd be not a bad shout if, if he can remain fit. Um, so these these are the things that we consider, but I don't think um, that we have weakened the squad overall this season, and that's why it's sometimes frustrating to be looking at this season and to be looking at the dysfunctional nature of the performances and the team and the selections and wonder why and when, um, why it's not going right, when it's going to go right. Um, I would love to see Celtic tonight going out, and you know I think the best that I would expect this evening is due to the form. Uh, leading into this game is is the best we can expect would be for a draw, I think. And I am 
uh, a, a very optimistic Celtic supporter. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, a draw would be important also for Sunday's game. Sunday's game's part of a historic run of domestic dominance. Now, we came up against an Aberdeen side on Sunday, um, who I think uh, played as well. I, I really do think they played as well. Um, and, you know, they will have learned a lot from that game. I don't think we'll approach this game on Sunday in the same way, with the same personnel and the same shape. Um, and I do think that we will be strong enough to get past Aberdeen this Sunday as well. Um, now, Adam Harley, left back looking a stronger position than right back now. I agree with that also. Who'd have thought it? Taylor's had a lot of stick, but it's definitely a safe pair of hands. If you're playing with a an out-and-out left back, Taylor gets my shout time and time again as a defender. Um, and I think that uh, when you're then looking at playing a, a more kind of traditional wing back, it would be like salt. Um, absolutely. I can't see there being many occasions this season where we play with both. But if you do, I think, um, you know, Taylor and Luxalt can, can marry up down the left-hand side and uh, Alhamid and Frimpong would be down the right-hand side. Now, Paul Cockwell. Paul is a Hibs fan um, and we don't mind fans of other clubs coming onto the Axon podcast or the Bulletin um, when they give balanced views. And Paul always does. He reckons that Porteous in this, but will end up at Celtic. Well, interestingly enough, I was speaking yesterday to Cammy Gill. Cammy Gill, there's me name dropping again, um, Gary Doonan. Cammy Gill is a goalkeeper for Dunfermline and he paid us a wee visit yesterday. And Cammy Gill was speaking about uh, how impressed he was by uh, Aoife Labby, uh, who was on loan at Dunfermline last season from Celtic. He reckons he's got uh, what it takes to make the step up to Celtic um, or indeed the uh, the top tier of, to of Scottish football. He thinks he's um, been a very good signing by Dundee this season. Uh, but the other player he mentioned uh, obviously was uh, Nisbet, who he played with last season. And he thinks he is also capable of making a further step up from Hibs. Um, and I think Hibs have been very shrewd in their transfer business um, over the over the piece. And um, they're definitely the third club in Scotland at the moment. And we'll see how the, the season develops. Um, I think Jack Ross and John Potter are a, a, an excellent management team. And I also think that they will move on again. Um, they've already had the big move down to Sunderland. I think they will perform well enough at Hibs to get another big move as well. Uh, so, Sean, thank you for commenting. And thank you uh, for being a fan of a former club who can come on with a balanced view as well. Now, on Facebook, uh, you suggesting that we go for Bain, Elhamid, Duffy, Ayer and Taylor, Brown, Beaton, Frimpong, McGregor, Luxalt and Griffiths. That's the team I actually went for yesterday, but then I was watching... Uh, Neil Lennon's press conference where he suggested that Alhamid is out and he's not travelled, he's been left in Glasgow obviously coming back from his illness that he unfortunately picked up on international duty so yeah, that's the team I picked the small, uh, yesterday uh, how do you change it? You know, how do you change that? Do you continue with the same shape or do you move to three at the back? Uh, I think it's easier personnel wise to go three at the back Um under the circumstances, but we are short at the uh, right-back position. Stephen, brilliant to see you back, sir. Thank you very much for getting involved, and it's uh, always a pleasure to see you getting involved with the show. Uh, you're commenting via Twitter. When you're 3-2 up, all you do is put 10 men behind the ball, and you win that game against Aberdeen. That was one of my biggest criticisms after the game, you know, um, was the inability 
to manage that game out when you were 3-2 up. That was my biggest criticism. Um, you can make a change to affect the game if you're chasing the game, but yeah, you also need to be able to make the changes to see a game out. And, you know, it's brilliant to play fast-flowing, attack, uh, attractive to attacking football, as we did this time last year at Petorji when we were 4 nothing up after about 40 minutes. Uh, that's brilliant. But if you're just going to, you know, grind out the result, as we should have done at Petordre, then you've got to be able to manage that game out. We did have some defensive players on the bench. Uh, we didn't bring them on and we didn't tighten it up, unfortunately. So that was a huge disappointment, uh, a huge disappointment um, as well. Uh, now, Kevin Graham, watch Kevin O'Hara at Dunfermline, could follow on his bit. Oh, well, you know, there are some uh, talented players uh, across the board at Scotland uh, in Scottish football. And I think what happens a lot of the time is we come to the party too late now, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we've seen what happened with John McGinn. I remember watching John McGinn, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that I said we should have signed him when he was at St. Minham, but I do remember watching him. Um, it was one nothing, I think. Tommy Craig was in charge of St. Mirren that day, and um, McGinn ran the show. He absolutely ran the show. Um, you know, he was part of Danny Lennon's cup final team, wasn't he? When they won the League Cup, he was part of that squad. 17 years of age. I think he was on the bench and the final came on. And uh, the signs were there that you had a, a special talent. Hibbs took um, the initiative and signed him at a stage of his career that you were able to then um, develop him. And then obviously you got the big move down south. And I think there's some talents like that in Scottish football. I think Turnbull's a talented player, Lewis Ferguson. Uh, yeah, I think Nesbitt is also uh, at Dunfermline, but he's been kicking about for a few years. The question would be, can he make that step up? I guess, Kevin, I think the, the step up is massive. Uh, and I was speaking to, you know, someone else has made a, a, an interesting point, Tam Mannion. O'Hara did great at Alawa. He'll definitely go further. I was astonished to see that um, Stefan Skugel was at Alawa. Um, it just shows you how players' careers go. Uh, a young kid who had been at Celtic at some point in his youth ended up um, at Livingston making a name for himself and then going to Sheffield United. Um, and then St Johnston, he's now at Alawa. So it can go either way, can't it? And it's sometimes all about... Um, the, the timing and the coach that you end up playing under. And I think that, uh, you know, when you look at some of the players under Jack Cross, they'll do well. Now, today's uh, show, half of the show was all about uh, Celtic by numbers. They give you the numbers. And um, Alan Morrison came to the conclusion that uh, Neil Lennon is not doing as badly as I and others have suggested. So, yeah, it's all about balance on this show and we'll take everybody's opinion on board. And uh, it's always a pleasure, even when I'm on my own, to do the Axon Bulletin. And uh, thank you all for making comments and uh, raising questions and queries on the comments section via Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe because we are trying to build that channel um, up to the 5,000, which is the next target that we have. Now, tonight I'll be joined for the game by Stevie Mullen before the game, half an hour before the game, 15 minutes and a half time and half an hour after the game. All that's left for me to say is thank you all for joining me today on A Celtic State of Mind and I will see you again this evening.
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.